listening to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth with the Simply 127 podcast. Today I have my friend Jeremy Wixon with us. Thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so this episode is going to be a little bit different. We're talking just about creative ways that God uses gifts and talents and passions to care for the vulnerable. And so when I thought about doing an episode about this, you you definitely came to mind at the top of the list. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so I would love for you just to tell us a little bit, um, just introduce yourself first, tell us a little bit about your family and um, what you do in your day job. Um, well, uh my name is Jeremy Wixon, and I, uh, I'm a fish biologist by education, but I am actually a warehouse manager right now at a, at a warehouse that distributes uh, parts to the cargo trailer market. All right. And your wife and kids? Yeah, I have a wife and five children, um, ages 5 to 14, and uh, so we're very busy. <laughs> That's enough to keep you busy for sure. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about... Let's go back, I don't know how many years, to when you were in college and the things that God was stirring in your heart um, just at a young age to do ministry, but also a, a passion for science. Uh, so I went to Bible college back in 1993 and uh, was wanting to be uh, do something with missions. And uh, I had a professor that um, my second year... Of, of college that taught a biointensive agriculture and, and aquaculture class. Uh, and I thought, well, this is an excellent way to be able to learn a skill that you can use on the mission field because obviously most of the time when you're going on the mission field, there are people there that are hungry and needing some kind of nutrition help that, mm. that, that they don't have otherwise. And I thought it would be a very good skill for people that were going through the missions program to learn. Uh, so I went to the advisor uh, that I had at the time and and talked to him about that idea. And he said, well, he said, that's that's nice, but you don't have time to, to help everybody. You just have time to tell people a story and move on. And, 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 and so that was kind of like throwing water on my fire. <laughs> um, and... Um, it was kind of perplexing to me that somebody who's the head of a missions program at a university uh, would tell you just to tell people about Jesus and move on to the next person rather than meeting the needs of the person like it talks about in James. Mm -hmm. You know, if you keep, you know, keep, you can't tell somebody to keep warm and well fed if they're hungry and they need clothes. And just go about and your go business. about your business, <laughs> and I mean that's that's directly in confliction with what it says there. So that very day, I decided that I was no longer going to have him as my advisor, <laughs> and so I went to the registrar and told her why hmm. I was going to request a different advisor, and that was the last time I sat in any of his classes. Um, 
So, so you kind of just went the route of science. <laughs> I did. I went the route of science, and so I, that professor that was teaching the aquaponics or aquaculture class, and uh, he he was doing some biointensive agriculture, which was in the ground and dirt, uh, using a double dig method. Um, he he said, "Well, if that's what you want to do, you need to go to Auburn." I said, well, "Where's Auburn?" He said, "I don't know. It's in Georgia, or Alabama, or Mississippi, or somewhere like that." But they they know about fish, and they if you want to learn about that, that's where you need to go. Because I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Montana, and so I knew most, you know, a lot of things about salmon and trout. And salmon and trout generally are not fish that you can grow in subtropical climates. So since I knew about that and had some background in those with those fish, I thought it would be good to learn about warm water fish. And the best warm water fish school at the time was Auburn University. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went. So the majority of people listening to this podcast probably don't know what aquaponics is. So can you give us a, uh, a Cliff Notes version of sure. what is aquaponics? Um, aquaponics is taking hydroponics, which is growing vegetables in a closed loop system where you add nutrient solutions. Uh, most people have probably heard about hydroponic tomatoes or seen hydroponic tomatoes in their grocery store, um, wherever they are mm-hmm. in the country generally. Uh, but that's what you're doing is you're taking a closed loop aquaculture system, which is growing fish in a, in a recirculating system, and you're, you're adding the vegetable component to that recirculating system. So you're kind of marrying recirculating aquaculture with hydroponics and that 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 means that you don't have to add nutrient solutions as much for the vegetables as you would have otherwise so um, when you're running the water from the fish to the vegetables there's ammonia in there uh, that's part of the fish waste and that ammonia is broken down by natural bacteria that are found in the environment and then it becomes nitrite and then nitrate and then it becomes bioavailable to the plants so the plants then can use that nitrogen for fertilizer and grow much better than they could without it it's kind of like growing plants in miracle grow all the time yeah great so let's talk a little bit about uh, i guess there's a 20-year gap between god stirring in your heart to use this for ministry and then opportunities to actually um, use this for ministry. So can you catch us up? <laughs> yeah. So when I graduated from, well, I graduated from, I went to, went to Auburn after transferring from that school that I was going to before. Um, of course, I lost a year because some of the stuff didn't transfer over. And, and uh, so I graduated in 98 with my bachelor's degree from Auburn in aquaculture and fisheries. And then immediately went into my master's degree program because I knew if I got away from school, I probably wouldn't go back. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I thought when I got free from tests and papers, I would be very happy about that (laughs) and not want to put myself back in that situation again. Yes, I can relate. I went ahead and did that. Plus, there was a big pay difference in in bachelor's versus master's degree pay and for jobs that I was looking at. Um, Mm -hmm. So... you can't just self-fund generally um, this type of mission work, and so I had to go to I had to go to work to pay off my school loans and pay off uh, debts that I had, and the um, the way to do that was to get a job. Mm-hmm. So I started working after I got my bachelor my master's degree um, classes completed, and I I spent nine months in South Africa studying 
uh, tilapia at a university there. Uh, when I got home, I was done with classes. I was done with my research project. And then all I had to do left was write my thesis. Well, you can't get school loans to write your thesis <laughs> unless you're taking classes. So I had to go to work. And so I went to work at a, at a fish farm in, in South Mississippi. Uh, and, and that was another podcast for another day ordeal. <laughs> um, but then I ended up having to move to California and, and take some work as a temporary employee for a while, um, doing aquatic toxicology work and did that for about three years. I finally got on permanent with them, uh, the, with the agency out there and, and, um, then, you know, you're talking about 2004, when mm -hmm. a lot of people were getting laid off and, and it was just before the housing market crash. Mm -hmm. um, so I got laid off one day. They said, we, we just need to lay you off. And so I had no work. And so um, I put an application out everywhere from Alaska to Florida and Georgia is where somebody contacted me and said, hey, we want to give you an interview. That's the only one. So it was kind of easy to figure out where I was supposed to go. <laughs> Uh, because that was the only option that I had. The one place that was in And so that was back in 2004 uh, when I moved here to Fitzgerald. And I, I was working for the state fish hatchery as a fisheries technician. And then a few years later, the, the biologist retired that was there. And I was able to competitively uh, apply and, and successfully uh, got the position as the biologist over the fish hatchery and, and a public fishing area and, and a section of the river. Um, and then I, you know, did that for about, I don't know, three or four years. And then another position came open managing a state-of-the-art new fish education center uh, about 70 miles from here. So all this time, is it still on your mind? Like you, obviously you're still going to church and you're still growing in a relationship with the Lord. Like, hey, one day I want to be able to use this. Sure. And, you know, I got to, you know, driving back and forth to Perry is about 72, 74 miles, depending on which way I went. And I got, I went different ways just because I would get bored. Um, and I'd be thinking to myself on the way back and forth to work. I'm like, yeah, when I get older, I want to do that. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm 40. <laughs> I am older, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in my 20s anymore, and, and I got to figure out what, how to get back to that which I thought I was supposed to do to begin with, and and so um, that led my quest for uh, figuring out what to do. I said, well, if I can't do what I feel God wants me to do, at least I want to live where I want to live, mm -hmm. and so I put in probably a hundred and to 150 applications uh, for jobs up in the Pacific Northwest because that's where I grew up and that's where I'm most comfortable and, and enjoy life the most. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, none of those worked out. I was always second or third in line for these positions and and um, so it's just like, what am I supposed to do? And I, that went on for about three or four years. Um, I even, I mean, I flew out to Montana twice Washington State once uh, to, to interview for some positions and um, felt really good about them, mm -hmm. but it didn't happen. So uh, one day I was just frustrated with everything. I said, look, I'm, I've got to the point now in my career where I'm, uh, hopefully none of you are listening, but babysitting <laughs> old guys and, and, and reporters and politicians. 
and what am I doing in the grand scheme of things to make a difference in the world? I mean, and, and, and that was a good job, and it was good people that we were working with, and it was a good thing to do, but it just wasn't what I felt like I was called to do and, and, and meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, I was seeking other other things, and, and my friend Tim had, had a warehouse that was going pretty good. I had no idea what they did. Most people in town still don't know what they do. <laughs> um, but I said, well, look, I've been trying to make these these jobs happen there were no fish at the warehouse at that time no there were not <laughs> it's a total um so job shift so i was talking to him i said look i said tell me what you guys are doing so maybe i can do something business related out where i want to live you know and he said well i can't help you with that but i'm actually looking for a warehouse manager and i told him why i wanted to make some changes and said look and this is what i wanted to do when i was in college and i realized now that i'm i'm 40 years old and i've not done it and and I see time is just getting away from me, and and this is what I want to do, and I want to be able to to fund that somehow by maybe starting a business or doing something like that 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 would be able to to pay for it because obviously it's not a cheap thing to yeah. to do some of those projects. And he said, "Well, look, if you come to work for me, we will, as a company, look for opportunities to do." work like that Mm -hmm. maybe once a year and once every other year and at that time and both of us are thinking okay well that's going to take a couple years to figure out who we even need to talk to and explain it multiple times before somebody's going to understand what it is that we're talking about doing and it turns out that um with with, through tim's son drew and uh his his knowledge of your uh 127 worldwide uh, had heard about a lady in Kenya named Rose that was looking for somebody to show her how to grow fish. So probably two months after I started working for the company, we were actually standing in Kenya uh, meeting Rose and, and discussing plans for some aquaponics projects that they had there. I love that. I feel like sometimes God's timeline is way slower than ours, sure. and sometimes it's a lot faster than ours. Yeah, 20 so. years is a long time to wait, but <laughs> it's, here we are. Yeah. Sometimes God's timing is microwave speed, and sometimes it is crockpot speed. (laughs) It took Jeremy 20 years to see how God was going to give him opportunities to use his skills and passion for ministry, but once doors were opened, it only took four months for Jeremy to be standing in Kenya with Rose. I love when God works that way. Let's stay tuned in to hear how Jeremy's willingness to invest in these communities has impacted our friends in Kenya, Uganda, Guatemala, and even a small community in South Georgia. Yeah. So talk a little bit about since then, has that been four years ago? I lose track of time. Yeah, it's been a little over four years now. And so we've been, I don't even know how many times we've been on. I think it's about six times that I've been over back and forth to Africa, whether it be Kenya or Uganda or Kenya again, and then Uganda again, and then Kenya again. And, <laughs> and so, it, you know, it's, it's uh, for those of you that have never taken that flight, the first one's the worst. And then after that, it's a lot easier because you you know what you're in for. And you know, okay, I got to watch three movies and, you know, sleep for two hours and uh, yeah. eat twice and all that kind of stuff on the on the plane. And then I know where all the snack places are in the Amsterdam airport. So I can run over there and get them real quick and then get on the next plane. So it's, it's it gets easier as you do it more than the first, you know, more than the first time. But um 
let's talk a little bit about that first trip. I know just, there was just a small group of us and kind of what you were thinking and the emotions of, you know, like we said, this becoming a reality for you. Well, it was kind of crazy because when we got to Amsterdam, it was pretty full plane. Well, I think we went to Belgium that time, Brussels. I think we were in Brussels. Um, so we flew over to Brussels. There was four of us, I believe. It was myself and Tim and Drew and, and you. Um, and Shannon. My oh, yeah, Shannon. That's right. Five. Shannon came too. So it was five of us. And um, so the first flight, we, you know, everybody's trying to sleep, going across the ocean. And, um, and then the next plane was almost empty. And there was a gentleman sitting next to me from... Uh, well, he was he was originally from Kenya, but he lives in London now. Um, and he, he mentioned to me, he said, well, this looks like it's going to be a pretty open flight. So as soon as we get up in the air, I'll move to a different seat. And I said, that's fine. I said, you know, and then we got to talking to each other. And he asked me why I was going to Kenya. And I told him we were going to go and, and explore opportunities for doing aquaponics projects and growing fish and vegetables. After I explained to him what aquaponics was, he's like, oh, my goodness, this is a divine appointment. I said, why? Because I'm going to Kenya to look at some ponds that I had paid to have dug. And I have no idea how to grow fish. <laughs> so uh, that flight, there was about four hours of, of um, giving him an education about how to grow fish and what to do and, and talking about, you know, four to six years of educational experience and knowledge that I had condensed down into a few hours. Uh, so, it, you know, and it's, it's something we've um, made some connection there with him and, and we haven't done a project with him yet necessarily, but I've been to his village twice and, and seen uh, what's going on there. I was going to say, that's a little side note in a rabbit trail, but your second trip to Kenya, I think you actually went to visit. Yes. And the um, third. his village. Yeah. So, so um, second trip, I went to vi- visit them and see the project that they were doing there, and and meet some good people up in central Kenya, and and then I was able to return the second, the third trip, um, after that, and it was it was kind of interesting because they were all rejoicing that I returned, which was <laughs> made you kind of feel funny. But. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, de- I derailed you a little bit, but just talking about the emotion of this really is happening, how God had orchestrated meetings, like that first trip to Kenya, just kind of explain a little bit yeah, what was, was going through your mind. Yeah, it was just one thing after another that was, you know, okay, this is this is really going to happen now. And it's, it's uh, um, I you know, it's kind of scary at first because you're just like, okay, I wanted to do this. Now I'm going into this and now it's going to really happen. And okay, now, you know, what's... Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Is, um, is it not? What I was concerned about, and what I'm still concerned about, it, you know, is is we don't want to make their life harder, mm-hmm. and we don't want to make it something that costs money for them to operate, where they could take that away from what they're already doing and have to fund this now and 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 be sidetracked their own selves uh, from their mission opportunity. Mm-hmm. What we want it to be is something that adds to adds value to their their ministry, whether it be at an orphanage or a clinic. And it also adds, um, hopefully at some point, uh, at some of them, it will it will add a little monetary... Um, yeah, sustainability. Sustain, you know, a, a ability for them to pay for some of their missions work that they mm-hmm. are doing locally there uh, and not have to rely so much on, on foreign, foreign dollars. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about, I know this community has kind of come together around the the passion and the project and how that's impacted um, things in Fitzgerald. 
Um, so we've when we when we came back the first time, we said, "Now look, we need to do some experimenting ourselves and playing with it ourselves, so that we have the ability to number one be somebody who can tell them how to help." solve some of the problems that they encounter because if we, we're going to encounter similar problems we have maybe different insects and different diseases slightly but uh, we have similar plants we have similar um, climate in the summertime so some of the issues that we're going to go through is maybe some of the issues they're going to go through uh, so we we started a little small um, aquaponics system a couple of them outside the warehouse and of course it's outside and and we get winter here. They don't in Kenya and Uganda because they're on the equator. But uh, so we we figured out okay after a few a little while everything went pretty good. Well now we're probably going to have to put it inside for the winter time. And so we we ended up now after four years uh, we've got a greenhouse and we got three different systems. One of them's out outdoors still with a cover over it, which would simulate kind of what conditions we would see in. In Africa, best we can with mm-hmm. the climate that we have, and um, and then some more um, commercial style systems in like America would have. So that that did a couple of different things for us. That allowed us to to experiment ourselves, but it also allowed us to bring people from the community in and say, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we went to Africa. This is this is what you've been hearing about. This is what it is." So they can see it. They can taste food from it they can experience it themselves and say hey I, I can get behind this project and and I can see myself donating some money for some of the project that that, that mm-hmm. they're doing over there in Africa and would you be open for missionaries coming to sure. learn or is that we've, we've had a couple come and look and see what what we're doing one guy from Venezuela um, who's have they're they're having some horrible political problems right now and this was a couple years ago he's a venezuelan guy that's a missionary in venezuela and he was telling us that that this kind of system would be very good for them because he's he's got to smuggle food around to like a hundred different people every week and in venezuela he 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 had to ride around with his car with luggage in the top of his food because if he got if he would have got pulled over and got caught with that much food, he would have been arrested because you're only allowed to have so much food per person, and he had more than that because he was taking it to other people, and that that was no exceptions for that at the time. So um, we haven't heard much from him since then, but he's come and had some interest, and then there's been some others um, that have come and, and looked and seen what we're doing and, and, and expressed some interest also. What would you say, has this changed your relationship with God in the last four years, or how has it strengthened your faith through um, everything that's unfolded? <laughs> well, um, it's kind of amazing how, how this has all come about and, and how the connections are and how, how this is this piece over here fits in with this piece and this piece fits over here with this piece and all the pieces are fitting together. and We don't know where it's going to go eventually. We don't know um, where it's going to be taken and, and it's kind of cool to be hanging along for the ride. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you just kind of hang on and see where it goes. And, and so it's, it, it's, it's always amazing and it's not as surprising anymore. When somebody comes up and says, "Hey, this is going to happen," and you're like, "Okay, cool, let's go with it," you yeah. know, and and um, so it's it's just amazing to see how how this this stuff works. Um, and I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is to see 
um, especially somebody like Jeffrey, who's a partner over there, just look at the idea and say, oh, my goodness, and then take it to a level beyond where I thought he was going to yeah. be able to take it. Flourishing and, is and, what and he's flourish. doing. <laughs> and, and then not only take it, but then go ahead and start multiplying that himself. And we put in two ponds, and now he's he's gone back in there and, and, and done a better job of finishing those ponds and then creating two more ponds. And, and now he's, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see that, that happen. And, and there's going to be children that learn uh, how to do this themselves, and maybe they can take it to some other places in Uganda, or they can have some sort of a business themselves yeah. and, and make a living and, and be able to share the love of Christ with other people because of that. So uh, that's that's a cool thing to me. And then, you know, of course, our first trip, we had we had a whole crew of people, and many things went wrong. And, and as that week unfolded, those guys that would have not necessarily worked with us the whole week uh, if everything had gone right, uh, had had an opportunity for us to, at the end of the week, um, talk to them and, and about whether they were uh, had a relationship with Christ or not. And they all said they didn't. And they all are now became Christians because of that. So that's, you know, that's pretty cool. So, you know, you you got people that say, well, how, how in the world can that work for growing the kingdom? Well, it's already worked. And it, that was before we put the first fish in, or right after we put the first fish in. So, um, so that's that's the cool thing to me is that it's you know, it's a skill that that I had, and 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 it's being used for something more than dealing with politicians and reporters. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Kind of to wrap everything up, what is something that you would say to encourage someone who maybe has this random skill that you wouldn't think would be used in ministry that God couldn't use internationally necessarily. Um, what, w- what would you encourage them to just keep on the journey? I would, I would encourage them to not, not be discouraged because they don't have an outlet for it yet. At some point, you know, hey, you might hear a missionary talk and say, hey, we need somebody that does whatever skill that you have. And you're like, hey, I got that skill. You know, there's there's a big need, especially for people that have some medical background, um, to be able to go and, and do stuff. And, and some people may say, well, I don't have any kind of skill. Well, yeah, you do. Everybody has some kind of skill. It may be cooking. It may be preserving food. It may be uh, mechanicing or building or any kind of skill that, that people have. Um, it may be something that you, you have a good good way of working on computers and doing spreadsheets and things like that that's that's all stuff in the developing world that's useful to be able to help people learn some skills that maybe they don't have maybe they can take that skill that they learn from you and and do better in their economic life themselves so that they can show, share the love of Christ with other people around them yeah and so it's you know don't limit yourself to thinking well I don't have some specialized skill like fish growing because not everybody has that and that's that's okay. Just use what God has use given what you. Use what you have. Yeah. Great. Is there anything else you can think of that maybe I didn't ask you or that you um, would like to share? Dreams I, or where you think this whole thing is heading? <laughs> well, I would I would like to say this. You know, kind of put on a plug in for for one twenty seven and and how the organization is is um, you know you a lot of times you you're wondering where's my money going when you give it to, to organizations and I've been to all four locations that with the partners that you have, they're all good people. They're all doing good work. They were already doing good work before. 
Um, and and what we're what one twenty seven does, and that's cool to me, is takes what somebody locally uh, is doing already and helps them, whether it be with some technical knowledge or with some some financial funding to help them on their journey. And the idea is to become sustainable. It's not to become make them dependent upon our support or make it dependent upon you know whatever we say. It's it's hey, how can we help you? accomplish what God asks you to do in your local area. And and that's a different concept uh, than than most missions organizations have. So I, I can appreciate that because it's cool to know that, hey, if if Jeffrey or Peter or Rose or, or David needs something for Christmas or for a project that they're doing or for whatever they have, that I can just donate some money and say, I know confidently that it's going to get to David or mm-hmm. Peter or Jeffrey or Rose. And so that's that it makes me feel good about knowing that that money is actually going to what it's supposed to go to and not to a lot of overhead administrative costs. Yeah. I mean, I know there's some associated with it, but it's it's minimal. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us, Jeremy, and um, looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future. Yep. We're just along for the ride. (laughs) Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next time to learn how others tangibly live out James 127 every day. Mm